Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? How are you? I'm Ray Harkins. You're hanging out with 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Happy pre-Thanksgiving, if you're downloading this on the day that it comes out, a Wednesday. And uh, hopefully you're spending some time with uh, some family, some friends, getting a little chill time away from work and all those other stresses that creep in on your life. And hopefully, you know, maybe maybe take it easy on the turkey, okay? Maybe maybe just don't eat turkey this year. Maybe. Just a thought. I don't know. This is coming from a person who, uh, you know, obviously of the vegan variety. I, uh, I always, uh, you know, have been avoiding that. I mean, I haven't eaten meat. I'm 39 years old now. I haven't eaten meat since I was uh, 15 years old. So, uh, you know, it can be done. <laughs> Anyways, enough enough with the uh, the propaganda, right? That's what you're saying. No. <laughs> Anyways, we have a rad rad chat today with Johannes Person from Cult of Luna. I was so excited to hook this up because Cult of Luna is such an incredible band, a prolific band, a band that has put out a ton of records. They've been active for a very very long time, and uh, I just really appreciate all of the the. The music that they put out there. I've followed the band from. Um, I pretty much. I'm trying to think of when I when I dove into them. I think it was you know their first signing with Earache Records and the Beyond Record. Their first, I think their first proper LP. But uh, just have loved the band ever since then. And uh, got to see them once. And I know that uh, the guys are you know come from the punk and hardcore scene. Um, and Johannes was just we nerded out deep about stuff, and it was really really good. So. We'll talk to him in a moment, but uh, let me let me get some things off the top of my head. You need to support the show, and that support can come in a myriad of different ways. One of them, you can go to your favorite podcast catcher and review the show, whether it's an Apple Podcast, Stitcher, whatever it is. Please do that because uh, you know, it just just kind of helps. It legitimizes the podcast in many different respects. Uh, you can also email the show one hundred words podcast at gmail I'm going to be experimenting with some new stuff in the in the new year. Um, to, you know, maybe make this a little more sustainable in regards to, um, you know, like, cause people, people email the show. They're like, Hey, how can I support the show? How, you know, I'd like, I'd like to give you some money or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to try to figure out a way, you know, I, I did a little Patreon thing a couple years ago, but then obviously I've gotten advertising. And so I'm just trying to get this dialed in to where, you know, you, the listener get the show on a regular basis. And obviously it makes it easier for me to dedicate more time to this. And, you know, I don't, I'm just thinking out loud here, but kind of, uh, going to do some experimentation next year. Okay. So, uh, be prepared with that. But, um, I just appreciate you listening. That's ultimately what it comes down to because, uh, this community that has been built around the show is really important to me and I don't take it lightly and I don't take your time lightly. So that's why I present these conversations like I do, you know, once a week, not trying to take up too much of your time, but at the same time, I hope that you get something out of these as I put them out there. 
And uh, what else do I got? Uh, yeah, my my mental health. I appreciate you asking because you've you've been very engaged with me as I've been kind of journeying through this and expressing it out loud. And uh, things are much much better. I, I feel you know kind of at an even keel. The anxiety that kind of pops up in me now seems to be a little bit more muted, which is good. You know, I, I, I appreciate that, you know, through medication, through therapy, all those other things. So I'm, I'm very happy at the place that I'm in and that I'm going to continue to uh, focus on, you know, over the next many, many months, because uh, I know I realize that uh, this is a process. This isn't like, oh yeah, well now I'm feeling, be- feeling better. So uh, there we go. Right. No, this is a process. So uh, yeah, Johannes, let's just let's dive in the conversation. It was so, so good. And uh, here he is. Okay. I'll talk to you after the episode is over and I will tell you what's coming up next week. So I'm going to take you back to what I think, gosh, maybe this was like 2001 or 2002. So I saw you on tour with uh, Breather Resist at Chain Reaction here in Southern California. Um, You got, you guys barely fit on the stage because, you know, you, (laughs) you, you had all of your, not only your equipment, but then, you know, you had 45 members in the band at the time. Um, (laughs) We'll start a show at the, uh, at Orange County. Yes. That was Chain Reaction in Orange County. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was, like, uh, I, I think it was like 2005. Oh, to be honest. okay. No, that's, yeah. that's fine. My memory totally, you know, yeah, it, it gets all oh, yeah. jumbled, <laughs> but I just, I just remember being, you know, really transfixed and blown away by you guys. Like I knew I was going to enjoy you, but you know, you definitely, um, you know, brought it that night as the kids say, but I have to imagine that, um, most bands that have the experience of touring the States, um, you know, after, you know, being a band, cause you know, by that time you guys had done your fair share of touring over in Europe and, you know, the surrounding countries, um, touring the U S is probably extremely difficult for you guys. I'm going to guess, or was it fun? Like, do you have fond memories of that? Oh yeah. <clears throat> that, that tour was very special to us. Um, I mean, first off, like doing your first U S tour is very special and that's kind of, you know, it's something that you're always, I mean, you, you want to reach out. Um, I mean, look, when, when we started this band, uh, just playing out, outside of the city, that was like, that was big, even though it was like a, you know, this small cities around Umeå where we, you know, where, where we were from. Um, and then, you know, you want to tour Europe and we did that. And then, um, the U.S. was something special, and we, we were lucky enough to to um, have gone um, Mastodon just before they kind of like became big. They just released uh, the Leviathan album, and and we did three weeks, like two and a half weeks with them, and just after that we did like a week with Breeder Assist, and uh, that's <laughs> that tour is is still very special to us, and 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 and, in, and especially when. I mean, the, the tour with Mastodon was really um, good because they kind of draw kind of a big crowd, at least for us at that point. Um, with Breeder Assist, we played a, a, like a week of like smaller shows, mm-hmm. but at that point, it didn't really matter. It was just 
the excitement of being over there and, and, and to be able to go to the West Coast. So, um, yeah, it was a, a bunch of, of, of pretty special shows to us. And uh, like you said, as, as far as I remember, that's like I, I think I have a very clear memory of that stage and it was quite small yeah <laughs> yes yeah and, and yeah we were like we were at that point or well still we were seven people on stage so yeah <laughs> yeah um but i'm like I'm, I'm very excited to hear that you were there um yeah it, it, it's it, it um, i mean it, it, i mean we didn't know what to expect any people i mean that that went to 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 our show was very <laughs> appreciated. Since sure, we basically hadn't done any promotion or anything like that, that in the states at that point. Yeah, well, it definitely felt like for me, honestly, I was like, well, I don't know when I'm going to see them again. <laughs> like, I don't know if they're ever going to be coming, be able to come back to California because it it, def- it felt like you know it's not easy to uh, get you know seven guys from Sweden to tour the states like. <laughs> you know, for four weeks at a time, like that's a, you know, a really expensive endeavor. And so, you know, I I was like, well, if I don't see them now, like, I don't know if I'll ever see them again. And I still have never seen you guys again from that perspective. But, um, so it, it definitely felt, you know, uh, special for the people, uh, you know, in attendance, even though, you know, whatever, there was like, I don't know, 60, 70 people. Like it wasn't a huge show, but it was really, no, it wasn't. Yeah. But it was really, like you said, it was, you know, special and you could tell the, uh, I guess, excitement. And I, I do like how you, um, you know, just described just like the feeling of, I'm sure it's like once you guys got to California and like, you know, looked at the ocean, you were like, what, why, this is crazy. We're here. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, we're from, um, the city where we're from, uh, Umeå, there, there, there was a bunch of bands that had toured the, the U S. Um, and I mean, it's a small city. It's a small city of, from um, in north of Sweden. And, and but when like I started getting into the hardcore scene, um, playing the US was I mean, that was not unreachable. It was something that like people did if they got successful enough. So <clears throat> just getting to the US was something that uh even though um it was uh I mean, it was special to us, and it was something that was really exciting. But uh, still, um, I mean, that's what bands do. They tour this first. They tour Sweden, then they tour Europe, and then they tour the U.S. Right. Uh, but to be quite honest, like that—that that was, you know, I could I, I could strike that from my bucket list, and that would be the end of the band and I would be happy to <laughs> totally uh, to be able to do it um, j- just those shows yep totally no um, I, yeah yeah no I, I very much understand that because yeah anytime you are in a place where you're like my music brought me here and that is a yeah that is a weird concept especially for you know hardcore and punk and metal like you know this is stuff that obviously has a subculture and people pay attention to it but yeah it just doesn't make any sense where you're like why am I here but awesome yeah, I'm glad yeah. I'm here and that uh, at that point we kind of moved away from the like, like the the hardcore scene, so we hadn't really at that point found uh, an audience. So we never knew who would show up at the show, um, and especially when we did that show or we did that uh, tour with Bitter Assist, um, uh, we had no idea 
who would show up. As long as we were touring with Mastodon, we know that, or we knew that their fans would show up, and whoever whoever liked us liked us, and whoever didn't didn't. Uh, with with their assist, that was just like you know that that was you know a totally. Um, we, we we had no idea who right. would show up. Um, in Orange County, like we had a, a, a few friends from 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 bands we had toured with in, in Europe, um, but apart from that, yeah, you're like we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we had no idea who yeah. would show up. No, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Um, well, kind of reflecting on on you as a person, uh, were you born and raised in Umea, or did you come up in another city? No, I, I wasn't. Um, I'm kind of a a bastard of from north and south okay. um yeah we kind of depending on um like my my grand well my grandfather died just before i was born so they moved up um to my my father on yeah, to my grandmother on my father's side way up north and then we moved south to my uh, grandparents um city uh, on a small island um in the south, and after that, we kind of. When I was six or five, six years, um, I moved to. We, we moved to Umia, so that's where I grew up. Got and uh, yeah, but the thing is, when I was like eleven, we had one year when we moved <laughs> to another city, um, but it didn't work out. And when I moved back, I reconnected with old friends, and at that point, like um, my old friends, they had. They, they were they, they were connected to the hardcore scene, um, and I had a friend that was he's still a really good guitar player, and uh, he taught me how to play guitar. You know, he taught me how to play the old like Inside Out songs and and Outspoken and Strive songs, and that's pretty much how my guitar playing started. That's awesome. <laughs> and like yeah, ninety ninety three, ninety four, or something like that. Got it. Um, yeah, and and that's really when my interest in in punk and hardcore really like grew, um, and uh, kind of you know, where my interest of the instrument, you know, the, the guitar as an instrument, kind of spawned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was always really interesting too. I mean, I'm 38 years old and from Southern California, and so you know, I got into hardcore, you know, 95, 96. But it was yeah. it was so interesting being you know starting to see all of these things coming out of Umea from you know the Straight Edges fuck compilation to you know yeah. Final Exit to Donuts and obviously Refused and like it just seemed like that hardcore community was so active and so many bands and it just seemed so it it, it was so weird because it's like you know like you said you know you mentioned outspoken and strife and like all these things happening in southern california but you're like what the hell's in the water in umea that all these bands are happening but like obviously it was like that yeah i don't know it it was a weird period um i mean i I could talk for hours about this um right but uh, yeah uh, but the the (laughs) Uh, what, what boils down to is when I started high school, uh, and when I kind of got into the when I got no more like because I'm a, I'm, I'm from a, like a small uh, village out, just outside of Umeå, and that's where I started like I skateboarded and listened to um, everything from Bad Religion to Cypress Hill. You know, every like I was like like a, a, um, 
uh, a sponge, just, just like getting into anything, you know, that that is affiliated with skateboarding, basically. Um, but the hardcore scene was there. And, uh, yeah, as I told you, I, 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 I learned how to play the guitar uh, by my, uh, from my friend, and I started high school. And the high school in, in the city uh, I was in, um, like, we were like 600 pe- uh, peoples, and out of those 600, like, 300 or like 60% was vegetarian, and out of those ones, like 30% was vegan. And so it was, it was like it, it, it was such a big subculture. Uh, this whole um, uh, hardcore straight scene, and pretty pretty soon that like I, I got to know people, and, and I played in this um, kind of um, youth crew hardcore band, and I did my first show as a 16 year year old playing in front of like 500 people. You know, <laughs> that's, I mean, crazy. That. that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> And so there was a lot of people involved, like both on this, like on the stage, but but also off the stage. And I, like, I, 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 I need to credit Dennis for. I mean, he was, I mean, he was Dennis from Refuse. He was kind of authority at that at that point. And I remember walking off stage after my first show. I mean, I was 16 years old. I mean, that, that like, you, I was a kid. I was almost a child. Yeah, you were a child, right? <laughs> and yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 I remember like him being very positive. Oh, that was great, great show. That meant a lot to a sixteen-year-old kid. I mean, you can never underestimate what what that kind of of, of encouragement means. And I, I must say that, with you know, with some retrospect, there were a lot. I mean, everybody was encouraging each other. To do different things because I mean, if you listen to it, like three, it's a fuck one, two, three. Um, the band started off sounding pretty much the same, and on, on on the third compilation, everybody kind of spread out, tried different things, and you know, tried to uh, find their way of you know their creative um, you know output yeah. in very different uh, ways and. And that was encouraged. It wasn't like it was. Uh, sometimes I can feel like hardcore can be very conservative when it comes to <laughs> to music or when it comes to to the attitudes to the music. But everybody was encouraging each other, and like uh, there's a lot of very successful bands coming from from a very small group of people. But now, like you know, we have Cult of Luna on one side, and we have a couple of, a couple of bands that that's been very successful in Sweden might not be successful internationally, but play very different uh, kind of music than we do. But we're from the same scene. We're from the same, like, same small group of people. And that's kind of a, a receipt of, of, the, of the encouragement that we were giving each other to just try out to do different things. And um, yeah, that, 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 that's something that, that I think is very, very <laughs> important when you're young that you need to, to get that encouragement. Even though, you're like, look, the band I was playing at that point, and we, we're, we were not good, objectively. Right. I mean, we were just... Uh, sure. Uh, I, like, if you listen to that demo we recorded, it was probably the most horrible thing put to tape. But What was the band's name? 
It was called Revive, and the demo was called In Defense of the Edge. <laughs> Dude, that's so perfect. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably just being like, hey, let's try to rip off Chain of Strength or something like that. Yeah, no, no, it, it was more of a, uh, it was more, you know, the, um, it was a, a, a rev, uh, reveal. Do you know about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it was a, a reveal of ripoff band, basically. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, yeah. I know, I really think, I, I'm so glad that you described uh, the scene as such, because it, it, the the only way that, you know, scenes become stronger and younger generations come in and all that sort of, you know, stuff happening is because people are encouraging. And like you said, people are encouraging of bands, you know, doing different things and branching out and like, you know, whatever, Abananda all of a sudden being kind of like, you know, a rock based hardcore band or whatever, like all of these things happening can only happen when other people are encouraging each other to push each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, be, whatever in the backyard babies, <laughs> you know, just doing all these different things. And yeah, I, I totally understand. And honestly, I, I really think that only certain scenes and certain geological areas or geographical areas can produce that, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's just, I, I and I do, I, I think it's really funny where you're talking about like your first show being in front of like 500 people. Cause like, you know, that's uh, like that, like you said, that's a pretty big subculture. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was big. And it's so weird when looking at it in retrospect because, I mean, that was my universe. It wasn't anything, like, looking back at it now, it was so weird. And especially looking back at my city now that it's completely different. Like, something like a subculture uh, where, like, every week, like, five, six hundred people show up at the at the hardcore show in the population around like 100,000. That's, <laughs> that doesn't make insane. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 like, it doesn't make any sense, but it, it was, it was such a weird, uh, atmosphere. Um, which wasn't weird when I was growing up. It was normal. It was normal. Right. It was, yeah. It was the only thing I, I, I knew. Um, but, um, and it's so funny because yeah, it, I'm sure it's one of those things where, you know, a, a band like Unbroken is incredibly meaningful to, you know, you and incredibly meaningful oh, yeah. to me. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm sure that they, you know, their first shows were in front of like 20 people. And you're like, my yeah. first show was in front of 500. What's wrong? This doesn't make any oh, sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. But look, 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 even though my first show was in front of 500 people. Yeah. I, I, but I've done shows. Yeah. In front with, of like 10. Right? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, the worst show I ever done was probably... I think it was two paying and two promoters Perfect. <laughs> in, in Madrid. Yeah, we, we like we we were more people on stage than we than there were on on, on um, yeah. It was like uh, yeah, but look, that's where I mean, if you can do a good show in front of ten people, you can do an amazing show in front of ten thousand. Exactly. Listen. The holidays are right around the corner, and there is literally nothing better than you can get for your family or friends than the gift of sound, and Sonos is the best speaker that you could possibly ever invest in. I have my house outfitted with Sonos because they're just the best. You can control all of your music from an app, sync it up within like five minutes once you open the box, 
And it, it's just, it's incredible. You can have different music playing in different rooms. You can have, you know, your holiday classics playing in your kitchen as you're making some stuff. And then maybe the kiddo is listening to uh, something in his or her room. And then maybe, you know, your family and friends are listening to something in the living room. It's unbelievable. And they just came out with a new speaker called the Sonos Move that is a battery powered speaker that can sync with your Bluetooth and you can take it anywhere. You can take it to a park. You can toss it in the backyard. I just love the thing so much. I cannot tell you how much you need Sonos in your life. So go to Sonos.com, check out their entire product line. And trust me, you are going to look like the most coolest gift giver possible when you bring Sonos into the living room, into the house and be like, Hey, here you go, mom. Here you go, dad. Let me get this set up for you. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh my gosh, my life is changed because that's frankly what happened to my life when I first started getting Sonos into my house. So thank you very much Sonos for your continued support and visit Sonos.com to learn all about their amazing products. So yeah, once you started to like dive into the scene and start to play in bands and all that sort of stuff, um, did you, uh, you know, you immediately got taken by the idea of playing in bands and everything like that. Um, yeah. but you know, did you, uh, I guess, was there support at home for getting into this kind of, you know, weird stuff or were your parents like, I don't, I don't know what you're getting into. This is bizarre. No, no, no. My parents, they were very supportive. Okay. Uh, I, I need to give them credit for that. I mean, it's, uh, like I said, I, like I'm, I'm from uh, a village uh, outside of of, of a, like a small community, and uh, what's normal there is that you pretty much, um, at, when you're 15, you get drunk and become an asshole, basically. And 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 um, and I've, I've like I've been very outgoing from like from a very young age. Um, and like, I don't even know where I would have ended up if I weren't getting into straight, straight edge and hardcore because I was hanging out in, in the wrong crowd before that. Um, and I mean, straight edge and like, uh, animal rights and other like political issues that I was getting myself into. Um, I think my parents were just happy that I, <laughs> uh, even though like, I was hanging out with uh, some people that were on the militant side of this whole thing. I think my parents were was very happy that I like didn't, you know. Yeah, you didn't go down that trouble. path. Uh, yeah. Other trouble. Yeah, yeah. So, so no, they were very supportive, and especially when it came to the, the artistic um, side of of. of, of of hardcore and they, they try to get me into like playing the guitar earlier than when I actually got into it but like I wasn't interested in, in, in taking lessons or anything like that but you know when when you actually with not much effort um, actually learn songs like um, that you actually listen to like the first song I ever learned was was Burning Fight <laughs> by Inside Out <laughs> that's so good uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I really struggled to, to learn it and, and like then I moved on and I uh, I remember that I thought that the the day that I learned uh, Outspoken Shadow that's when I'm a great guitarist <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> Yeah. It's so good. And yeah, I learned that song and then I actually got interested in the instrument and I basically locked the door for two two years and just practiced. Got it, got it. And did yeah. you um 
like, did you care about school? Were you, you know, looking forward to like going to university and that sort of stuff? Or was that just not a part of the plan? Uh, I didn't know. I had no idea what, what I was going to do. Um, I, my problem with, well, I'm lucky that I have been able to pretty much go to school without putting in too much effort into it. Um, I'm lucky to, to be able to catch enough to, um, to get through the subjects that I wasn't interested in. Um, and the subjects I was interested in, I had like the highest grades. And in pretty late adulthood, I, I got this A, uh, AHAD diagnose. Um, oh, sure. Which, yeah, which kind of, you know, explains a whole lot. And I remember, like, I did all, I did all these tests and I did all these, you know, um, thing with the psychiatrist and all that just for fun, basically. But when they told me, like, yeah, you, we're going to give you this diagnose. And I thought, fuck. What if they would have, like, tested me for this when I was a kid and I actually got good grades in school but then i realized well i've kind of managed to do good without it and i'm really happy at the place where i am right now so like there's no i mean there's no um there's no point of like crying of you know spill you know milk yeah whatever, what happened in the past that. right 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 yeah 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 but i actually went to university I studied uh, philosophy and I studied uh, economic history. Uh, but, uh, like, I started, at that point, I started to tour a lot and it took too much time. And that's what I wanted to do at that point. And I took, took like, like dead end jobs that I could, like, tell them to go to hell when I was on tour and record music and all that. Uh, for uh, uh, many years until I was like 27, 28, uh, when I started to realize that, look, I, I need to, and I, I need to think of life outside of music, but music was my life. Right. Between like, well, it, it still is. It still, it still is, is, yeah. But it was the old, but now, like now I have other things. I have like a professional career. I'm a, I'm a parent of two, I'm, you know, all that stuff. Um, but at that point, that was the only thing that I cared about. It was right. music. It was touring. It was expressing myself through music. Sure. Um, from when I was eighteen to like twenty-eight. Um, yeah, that was it. And, and th- this is always something I've been curious about, and I, I've only had limited exposure to it because of um, you know just the, like the bands that I would randomly work with at Century Media. In regards to like you know in America, we've got no support for the art system whatsoever. Like you know, like, yeah. there's no no government subsidies, nothing like that. But I know in Sweden that it, it's very uh, different, and I know some bands are able to capitalize on that to where it's like yeah. you know. And when I say capitalize, it's not like, oh, wow, you know, you're making thousands of dollars off the government just because you're playing in. We're not. Right. No, no. But it's like, I'm sure that that stuff that, you know, you and your friends have obviously pursued and have had that. Like, so, I mean, I I know it's a big question, but like, you know, can you kind of, I guess, break down a little bit of how that works for you guys? Well, um, what you said is not incorrect. It's correct. But for us we have never had any support from anyone. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, 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 uh, that's, that's the best thing I've learned in the hardcore scene is the do it yourself attitude. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the first time we, uh, like with my band isn't active anymore, but the first European tours we did, 
we booked ourselves. We uh, that was like it wasn't before internet, but it was before you know you were connected all the time. So basically, you know, we we uh, we booked tours ourselves. We we didn't get any support from anyone. We didn't get any support from the from the city or from the state. I mean, I, now when I'm older, you can get, can get grants and all that, and we got some grants, but in general. We've got nothing from anyone, uh, even though you, even though you like you said you can get grants and you can get um, support, um, but I think that's a system that needs to um, to be um, you know worked on. Right, because you, um, you have to. I'm guessing, like, you have to, you know, submit like proposals and you know do like <laughs> you have to like do really official things in order to like do these things, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I, I just talked about it with a friend actually today. Okay, uh, to get yeah, in order to to fill fill out the forms to get uh, support from 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 the uh, uh, board of culture here in Sweden, you need to fill out forms that it's even more complicated than the. The, the fortune to fill out to get a visa to to, to, to the US to travel, yeah, it, yeah, oh, oh. it's it, it, it's not worth the money, man. It's, yeah, and yeah, but like, I'm, I'm, we're lucky in the sense that that we've got to a point where it's not really like crucial, right, for us to be able to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it, it, like I said, it's just something that is so foreign to any band in America. And it's like, you know, even, yeah. you know, even in Canada, Canada has a robust program for, you know, bands to be able to receive grants to, you know, fund part of their recording. Like, I remember, yeah, I mean, yeah. Cursed, it's like they got parts. Uh, yeah, they got parts. Love of, Cursed. Yeah, unbelievable band. Yeah. But like they got, yeah. you know, they got portions of their record covered like their recording advance like covered via canada yeah. and i'm just like in america like i can't even imagine a hardcore band being like hey can you pay a thousand dollars for a recording <laughs> it's like no you idiot of course not <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah no but i mean you, you you can get grants uh for pretty much um as an individual musician as well as a band and we we actually got like uh five grand um, for the uh, Mariner album that we did. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, <laughs> I actually took the time to fill out those uh, <laughs> the paperwork. Yeah. Forms. yeah, 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 yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was homework. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, almost not worth it. <laughs> right, right. I understand completely. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like, I mean, Cult of Luna has existed for, you know, 20 years now. And yes. it's such a interesting band because like you said, at the beginning, you know, whatever, early 2000s to the mid 2000s, like, you know, you guys were very active, you know, working with Earache, working with, yeah. you know, Hydrahead, like putting out a lot of music for as dense as the music <laughs> as you guys write is, like you were being very prolific. Um, but I guess for you, when did you start to feel that people were paying attention to like Cult of Luna? You know, when, when you started to, you know, play out and tour or was it the fact that like, oh, we got a record deal? Like what, what made it feel, I guess, quote unquote, real to you? That's so weird because we've never had any like immediate success. Yeah, you're a slow build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to get an easy laugh when I say this. I mean, we're still, you know, when you play like festivals and stuff like that, and when you do uh, line check and you see that like three people in front of stage, and the, is anyone is anyone going to come when we play? 
I mean, that that's still like built into <laughs> into our system right. up to twenty years. Um, I don't know. Like after something happened in two thousand and six, when we after we because because we did the heavy lifting uh, initially. Um, after signing with Eric, um, we did some strange tours. We toured with Poison Well, and we toured with uh, Bleeding Through. Um, we toured with. I mean, they didn't know where to put us, put us, like with what bands we should be, you know, touring with. Um, and but I think that was good. You know, we 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 met, um, you know, audience that wouldn't otherwise have seen us, um, and it kind of you know we we built from there. We we toured a lot between 2002 and 2006 or something, or even later than that. Um, but when we, after we released Somewhere Along the Highway, something happened, and um, and it, especially when we had this, like after we released an album, um, Eternal, Kingdom, Eternal Kingdom at 2008, and after that we took a couple of years off. We, we were off Eric at that point. Um, and when we got back, we th- we were thinking of either some either people gonna forget about us or people going to be hungry to see us, and that's I think where the biggest kind of you know jump in in the amount of people that actually came out to see us mm-hmm. or yeah yeah and also we did a U.S. tour in two thousand fourteen. Oh. Oh, all these years, like yeah, the years are just like blurring. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, at, at the beginning of, of, of at the two thousand tens, that's where things started to happen. Yeah. Um, and where we actually would like stop losing money, right. <laughs> which we just briefly <laughs> stopped doing. Right. Um, and when we actually got a manager that knows money, like we. We know nothing about that stuff. We know about music, and we've been so bad with with money and and all that. I mean, we are from a punk background where that is not an issue. Yeah, so you don't you don't care very, about it, right? Yeah, no, no, and I still don't. It's like <laughs> it's not. I can can tell you one thing. We did this six weeks tour in Europe in yeah in the mid. 20, uh, 2000 um, in, the, in the winter in Europe and that was like we call it the tour from hell <laughs> At that, yeah, it, it was horrible like you know, everybody got a cold and when somebody got well somebody else got sick and like the cold were like spreading in the van in circles um, and at that point we decided that like look this is not going to be our like, we are not going to be or we don't want to be financially dependent on this, and um, that could be could have been the end of the band. Um, but we decided to tour less, basically. And like I love touring, but I don't love touring too much because I, me personally, I'm I'm, I'm a passion driven person. Like I, everything needs to be to be um, drawn out of like my passion to, to express myself and the passion to play. And as soon as it gets a job, you know, becomes a job, 
um, kind of the passion get drawn away. Sure. So yeah, that's why we don't do longer tours in like three weeks. Yeah. Well, no, I think it, it is very interesting to look at it like that because that is the idea of, you know, that that's how every band built their fan base, like tour relentlessly as long as humanly possible, yes. sacrifice everything you can possibly do. But now that there are, you know, bands that can exist, frankly, in the way that you guys do, where you're able to put out records when you feel inspired yes. and you have the support of a label to be able to help you to do that. And then the people yeah. that pay attention to you are devoted to you because it's like, dude, I don't know if we're going to get another cult of Luna record. Like, I don't know if yeah. I'm going to see them again. Like maybe they'll come here, but I don't know. And so I think because you've made the shows more, um, you know, few and far between people feel yeah. like they have to go out as opposed to, you know, Oh, I'll see him again in four months. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a marketing plan, but it's not. No, it, no, it, no. It, 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 it's like I am aware that we we are in a very uh, privileged situation. Like, uh, um, uh, like uh, what what I and we are doing is a well paid hobby. You know, it, like right. I, I get paid to do <laughs> right, my right. hobby. Totally. Like I have a yeah. I, I, like me and everybody else have a career outside of music I kept Thomas his career is music um, but um, so so every time we go out it's with 100% heart and 100% passion and 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 like it needs to be music needs to be spawned out of that and I, I, I I'm like I'm, I'm not I'm not judging anybody else like I'm, I'm, I'm totally in awe of people that manage to do, like, I have friends, I, I see the tour schedule, like, how the hell do you manage to go on stage, like, 40 shows in a row? Like, how do you do it? Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, it, it's it's incredible that the people actually manage to do it. Even though touring is, um, you know, you're in a privileged situation, and it's very, you know, it's not a, a hard life at all. <laughs> it's very easy. Um, but it's also a very like hard hard work to be able to I mean from especially our shows which is basically like an emotional catharsis every night for me every single night it's like I, I, I can't do it for too long it, it, it would be it would be me acting more than actually doing it if you understand the difference yeah oh totally you like it this is uh <laughs> Yeah, you, you look at 40 shows in a row and you're like, I'm exhausted after 10. I can't do 30 more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be just another night. And as soon as it's, it's just a night, another night, that's when it, you know, I kind of, I kind of lose the purpose why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, every show, every night should be special. Sure. And that, that that that's how I look at it, and, and and like every show that we do, when I'm when I'm on stage and when I go on stage, I mean it's not it's not <laughs> um, I almost said it's not for fun. It is, but like it's you not, have to do it, right? Like yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it's not it's not it's not an act. It's not nothing that I just do because I have to. It's it's something that I do in order to um, 
I don't know, get something out. Sure. Uh, but after a certain amount of shows, like I'm, I'm drained. I'm, I'm like, I, I don't have m- m- more to give. Yeah. And, and that's why we don't do like, like I can do 20 shows. That's it. Sure. Then I'm done. You're like, I know my limit. I know my limit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen up. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I know you go to a ton of shows, right? There are many, many times where I've gone to a show and I've been like, man, it would be really cool if I had like a pizza party with the band, you know, or just something that is a little bit more intimate, a little more, um, you know, dare I say VIP. How about SoundRink? Go to SoundRink.com and they offer up all of these awesome VIP packages from bands that are, you know, they're not just like some standard like, oh, hey, watch a band play an acoustic set and then, uh, you know, shuffle out of the venue. They work with artists to tailor these events specifically for what they feel like the people who are attending the shows will want. And it's awesome because I mean, they've literally had like play board games with your favorite bands, have coffee with your favorite bands. Like it's so cool because even though the facilitation of this is, you know, obviously to help bands make some more money, it's also to bring the connection between the band and the people attending the shows much, much closer. It's like, Hey, you want to have this unique experience? Like, how about we do this? And uh, yeah, I've seen so many of these go off without a hitch with SoundRink and they just know what they're doing. So go to SoundRink.com and you can find your favorite band coming through your town and then find the really cool VIP experience that they have built out specifically for that particular tour. I love what SoundRink does. Pros and they know what is up. SoundRink.com. Thank you for your support. It also seems really interesting to me that you have, it seems like you've, coll- like this, I'm sure obviously was not a planned thing, but you know, you have collected uh, a fair share of, you know, very, very reputable record labels to work with from, you know, earache <laughs> to metal blade to Hyderhead. Like, it seems like you've just kind of gone around to be like, Hey, who, who else cool is there to like work with from a, uh, you know, label perspective. Um, I know that's, like I said, not this like overarching plan that you guys have had. Um, but you know, it's pretty interesting that you guys have been able to like find these people that get your vision and get what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been very, we've been very, very, very lucky. I mean, look, if it wasn't for this guy from the UK visiting his girlfriend in Skellefteå, which is a city even far, further up north in, in Sweden, nothing of this would have happened. 
So this guy Duncan <clears throat> from a small in like a small very independent label called uh, uh, Rage of Achilles. He visited his, his girlfriend and 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 in yeah in Schleswig and we played this you know free um, festival uh, called. It's actually called translated. It's called Woodstock, but but in Swedish, it's it's a free festival every year in the city. Okay. And he saw us, and he, and he asked us if. Well, he actually approached us afterwards and asked us if he wanted to to record a mini CD. We said yes. <laughs> I recorded basically every song we had, which became an album, our, our first album, and that kind of drawn the attention. It got pretty good reviews and brought the attention of Eric. And I think. At that point, I had sent our demo to to Hydrahead. Um, yeah, so that that's the story behind that. Uh, after we got, after we had kind of done our, you know, our share of the Eric deal, I took a step back, um, and I don't deal with labels anymore. Like I'm, I'm a. I've always been a huge fan of of uh, Metal Blade ever since I was like eight or nine years old and saw saw that saw the Metal Blade label on the listed board and album Medicine Society and thought that that it was the coolest name of a label ever. Yeah, like, me- Metal Blade. How how how, co- how yeah. much cooler can you get than that? Um, yeah. So like, I I I don't I don't. Um, it's going to sound like I don't care, which I, which isn't true. But I, 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 I leave. You leave the business the, to the business. I, I know. I yeah, understand. Yeah. Look, yeah. I get look, it. look, for the first couple of years, I, I, I had a finger in everything, in with this band, like everything. But I, I, I don't really, I. Uh, like I, it's not like I don't care, but the only thing I really care about is our artistic. Is is, is the reason why I got into music is to write music, record music, and the way it's presented, like the artwork and and stuff like that. All the business part of the band keep me out of it. Like we, I, I, right now I work with people that I trust, and I'm I'm leave I'm leaving everything to them. Um. And I just want to. I just want to sit down and concentrate to write right. music. Right. Yeah. You just you want to focus on the creative side of things, and yeah, it's like the business is not of interest to you, and so and it makes sense. Yeah. And especially too, I think people that can recognize that from a um, you know can recognize that in themselves and be like, you know what, like I don't care about this. I don't want to be involved in this. And can let go of that because some people can't do that. You know, they're like, oh, I'm not good at this. I don't care about it, but I still have to have control. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to run this band into the ground or whatever, you know, like you see yeah, that all yeah, the time. Yeah. 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 I, I, and, and <laughs> keep me away from anything, uh, uh, that involves money because I'm so bad with it. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'm a fairly okay songwriter. That, that, that's what I know. That's the only thing. And that's, the, that's the only thing I want to do. I want to. I want to write and, and and perform music. Sure, um, that's what yeah, you want to focus and, on. No, I totally get it. Yeah. 
Um, and so like when you did step back and stop to uh, reevaluate how you wanted the band to tour, um, you know, and then they kind of, you, like you said, you kind of took that, that break where, you know, you guys weren't, uh, actively going out there. Was that, um, were you scared to do that? Was that a time where you were like, you know, I, I don't know where Cult of Luna sits in my life, even though it's been such a central point of it. Um, was that a scary time for you to kind of reevaluate what your priorities were? Um, it, it wasn't scary in terms of the band. It was more scary for me personally. Um, sure. Because I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life, basically. Um, I, like, I know that I always wanted to, to, to be involved with music in, in some form. But I didn't know if I was would be able to. Um, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life, basically. Um, f- I mean, from from my perspective, it looked like everybody else had a plan without me, like or except me. Um, so I like from my perspective, I needed to uh, to do something. Um, so after we we had kind of you know we had finished our deal with Eric, I moved from Umeå, and I just got out of the city. I had to do something, um, and kind of you know took a couple of years off, just focusing on what I I wanted to do uh, professionally. Um, uh, I wanted to work with the film industry, and I kind of started a career with that which I'm still still doing um, and I'm like but I, I'm lucky enough to be able to after a while kind of reconnect um, with the band but the, the, the problem was when you when you kind of push the stop button to get the machinery started again that was pretty tough so it took a, a long while before we started to write music again um, and and now that's a couple of years back. That was like in 2011 or something like that. Maybe 2010. <clears throat> but from there, it's been a pretty, you know, the creative uh, part of the band is never... Like, we, we found a way of working and we found a way of, of like a social foundation within the band that everybody's happy with um and that's where we are now basically like we're better friends now than we were when we, when we were touring a lot i can't remember when we had the proper band fight right like, seriously like, <laughs> yeah it's great it, yeah it, yeah it's great like and i think that has to do with um the fact that everybody feels you know they have a, a, a another life outside of the band. It's not everything. It's a lot, but it's not everything. And socially, like we're in a good place. Everybody's in a, well, more or less a good place. Um, at least it's 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 rocks like our relationship 
within the band is rock solid. Rockabilia.com is the only place that you need to look for band merch, plain and simple. Use this code PC100Words. That's the number 100 because some people have been like, hey, should I type it out? It's like, dude, that's the longest promo code ever. (laughs) So 100, the number words. And that gets you 15% off your order. They have the highest quality band merch, fast shipping, all authorized by the band. This isn't some horrible ripoff stuff, which actually next week I will be airing a conversation I had with one of the co-owners of Rockabilia, Frankie, because we get into the merch world as it were at large. And it was such an interesting conversation. So the Rockabilia is just the best. I love the company. I love what they do. Um, you know, it's a small business. You're supporting people who are doing the real work, who are making sure that you are properly outfitted. They have half a million items that you can order from. And let's be honest, the holidays are right around the corner. You need to start thinking about what you're getting your little brother or little sister or mom or dad or whatever the case may be. They have band merch from all of your favorite bands and their favorite bands that you can order immediately and you get a little discount. Okay. PC 100 words. Okay. Do that up. And thank you, Rockabilia for your continued support. Well, because you all, you know, I think it's important because you all have, uh, you know, different priorities. Like the band is still a priority and all yes. of your lives are clearly still, you know, going forward. And like you said, the career family, all that stuff, but it's like, it, it just makes you a more well-rounded person rather than like, this sad, you know, person who's like trying to cling on to the idea of becoming a rock star, which is not who you guys were, obviously, but just like, you know, you see those people who are just like, Hey, you can also do something else. You don't have to just do this like all all the time. (laughs) There's, there's other options out there, you know? I I think the most important thing that I'm going to come back to this, it's, is that everything is motivated out of passion and not, yeah, like you said, trying to become a rock star, or, or um, but I, I, I don't know. I had nothing to compare it to. Uh, like my um, the people I play with, there's no egos involved. There's no, there's no, um, you know, people trying to to, you know, get a career out of this. Every person is involved in this band is doing it solely out of you know the passion of music. Totally. And I can I can tell you one thing: I am so privileged to to um, to play with such a bunch of talented people. It's it's I I, I don't know what I've done to to deserve this, but but it's um, yeah. <laughs> Again, I talked today with a friend about it. Like we started off <clears throat> as kids. Um, we started off with kids. Nobody knew anything about anything, and now, through now through the years, Magnus that started off as a drummer is now he, he's recorded pretty much every album. Yeah, pretty much every album since the second album. Uh, he's a, I mean, he's a very um, well famous. Um, producer and he's probably the best person to master pretty much anything eric that was a guitarist from from the start up until 2013 or 14 uh he's still a good friend he's been doing all the artworks since 2004 um he's an amazing uh, artist uh, uh like a, a visual art artist and i've been able to do the like a lot of videos so we are have been a like self-sufficient band um 
pretty much since day one. Um, not entirely, but almost. And so we've been able to do everything from, you know, the music to the recording to the artwork without anybody like tampering or trying to... We've the, we have done our stuff. Um, after. It's a community. You've built yeah. a community around yes. the band and yes. everybody contributes in the way that they need to from artwork to visuals to everything else. Yes. It's like everyone has everything. their corner. Yeah. It's a, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a village. I mean, it's, look, yeah. look, 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 I'm going to be completely honest. When, when we were young and re, and like signed the deal with Eric, we did pretty much everything they asked us to sure. like the first, sure. yeah, I mean the first music video we did, for example, uh, I mean, it's horrible. Is not it's not anything we're proud of today, and we did a lot of things like we said yesterday. Pretty much anything they asked for, um, but it was it was also an, like an eye opener. Like like this is not us. We don't want to do this. So after that, we became quite a hard band to work with. We actually started saying no, and like this is not what we are about. We. This is what we want to do. This is what we are going to do. And this is the band you signed. Is this like? And I think the minute we started to do what we wanted wanted to do, and the minute we started to say no, that's where actually things are started to, you know, go well for us. Right, because you were yeah, you were you were happy. Like even if something fails, and you are it's your decision. It feels so much better. Yeah. It feels so much better than being like, Oh, we did that because you said that. And then, then it, then it sucked. <laughs> and then we were yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, yeah, I'm, 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 that's actually something I'm proud of that a bunch of, you know, people that almost, that were almost kids. I mean, we were 22, 19 to 22 at the time. And we started to say no. Right. Um, and, uh, like we, we, that's where we started to kind of have our vision of where we wanted to, to kind of, of how, basically what we wanted to do as a band. And I think we kind of stuck to that even we have the same attitude today. Yeah, no, that's really, really cool. Um, a few last things I want to hit on before I let you go was the, uh, you, you played in coma. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Still, okay. St- still technically do. <laughs> I know you still technically do. I, I just yeah. remember that. Was it the, the, the seventh, what, the first EP, what was the name of that? The seventh something or other? What's the, uh, the first record we put out was called, wasn't it called tsunami? Tsunami. That's it. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I yeah, just yeah. I just remember like I was working at Century Media and I whatever we got a copy somehow and I just remember being like what this is like <laughs> this is the dude from Cult of Luna like they're, they're making music that could almost be heavier than Cult of Luna with like the most soaring vocals possible but I just yeah. I it, it still in my head does not make sense why that band did not break through in so like you know even the second wave like when you guys <laughs> signed a Roadrunner like I don't know I, I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your butt but Holy crap, Coma is really good, and I'm sure that was a really interesting experience for you. Yeah, and I can tell you why it didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that was because, um, I mean, I, 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 I agree. That band could probably have become quite big, especially at the time where 
that we were uh, we're kind of you know starting playing shows and all that um, it all came down to um, to some of the band members that had other priorities basically I mean we had everything laid out for us and I'm not <laughs> I'm not in any way I'm not uh, bitter at all like I'm very happy where where we where we are at the time and what motivates us but I mean we were offered big tours sure um, that's what yeah, it, but, it seems like because I it, honestly it, to me it was always like oh yeah these these guys are basically just like you know a heavier muse and like at that time was yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the muse was coming up and so yeah anyways but yeah I, I can only imagine what was the I guess what was kind of the the biggest tour that you like, you know, I sort of some of the weird things that coma was offered because clearly, like you said, there was, there was weird opportunities, I'm sure. Yeah. I think we were, we said no to, um, a lot of tours. We, we said no to, uh, and it was probably for the best to be quite honest. I think we said no to Evanescence. We said no to, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, to be quite honest, I don't want to be affiliated with no, that no. band. Right. I understand. Um, I understand. Um, I think we were offered a tour with My Chemical Romance. <laughs> okay. Like sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just not, it's not, um, it's not it's who you were going not, for. Like, we weren't going for any, like, that one is very interesting, though, <clears throat> um, because uh, me and the vocalist, Jan, we were, I mean, that, we were the band at that point. It was me and him, basically. And um, I remember, like, we at some point we just we tried to like write commercial music or anything, something like that. And then one, it was such a you know defining moment for me as a musician when I said, "Screw it, we're not going to do this." And at exactly that point, uh, I just started writing at the, like we were all sitting there and I started writing and we ended up with a song that was, that's called uh, like coming home now. Oh yeah. We, yeah. And, and, and that was like, like me repeating, repeating myself. That was a song that we still play live when we play live, which has been a long time ago, but, um, it was spawned out of passion and thing that I wanted to do, not, not what I tried to like, tried to, to, to do something that wasn't me. Um, and that, that was such a good lesson, but I shouldn't try to do anything, just do what I want to, to do. And yeah, that, yeah, that's still the funny song. Okay, that's one of the best songs I ever wrote, I think. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I, I still like, there's a select group of my friends that we all, you know, like once, I played coma for them. Like, I mean, there's like five of us and like <laughs> every so often we're just like, God damn dude, that band. <laughs> so yeah. So you way to go. Way to go. Way, way to put out that record or <laughs> way to put out all yeah, that. Music. Well, th- thanks. So much. It was so weird. Like, I mean, we, we, um, like I, I'm totally focused on cult of Luna now. And, and, and John is, is, um, I think he's a professor, uh, in social science. Um, and I met up, met up with him this summer and we talked about like, she would do anything. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I mean, we, we, we kind of, you know, work very, very, um, <laughs> low intensive for quite a couple of years. 
and me and John, we had a long walk with his um, with his kid, um, and uh, started talking about it. maybe you should like start doing something again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then he told me like you know um, yeah we're we're maybe getting not. our second kid. you know we're, yeah, yeah, we're, getting, we're, we're getting our second kid. Uh, okay, well look, I'll talk to you in three three years. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, look, look. Maybe twenty twenty two. We'll do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look. That's the thing with John and me. We're, we've been friends for such a long time. We're probably going going to write and record music again. I, I would surprised if we wouldn't do it. Um, but you will not see us tour with My Chemical Romance. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're like that's not what we're doing. Yeah. Um, the last two things I want to hit on, and I promise I'll let you go. The, uh, you know, I, I was already a fan of your band, but then when you, like we mentioned earlier with, uh, unbroken and then you doing the, abs- oh, yeah. when you did the absentee debate cover on that seven inch, uh, oh, we did, uh, recluse. Oh no, recluse. The, uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I just was like, my head hurt because I was like, wait, I already like this band. And then I like this band even more because they're doing an unbroken cover. And clearly most people that probably consumed that have no clue who Unbroken is. Um, yeah. So what was it interesting for you guys to kind of like put that out there and see people um, like, did you get feedback from that song um, from people being like, I never knew who Unbroken was. And then, I mean, I'm, I know, you know, I mean, Rob and Steven, I'm sure obviously heard it and, yeah. you know, you were friends with them and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. No, I just, no, 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 no. That, that's just uh, recent through, through the, through Instagram. Like I, I met Rob, um, First time, like three years ago, I, I actually flew over to see that the Sensefield. Um, oh yeah, I was there too. Yeah, the, the John Bunch Forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the same yeah. room. I, I was a- there. Like there, were, there were so many bands that I grew up with that was playing. Like okay, I, I cannot miss this for the world. So sure. I went there and I met Rob. Um, look, I, I like. I did a whole interview yesterday just about Unbroken. So I could talk about them for you. That's the most <laughs> important. It's the most important band. That's, that, that's, that's the band that kind of took me through my teenage years. That's the band that um, that that I like when I when I learned how to write music. That's the band that I stole from. That I tried to emulate. Right. Um, yeah. Like the band that I started. Like my first like serious band, Eclipse. That was basically an unbroken ripoff band. And after a lot of member changes, I thought that okay, we we cannot keep the name, so I need a new name, and that became Cult Luna. <laughs> uh, and the first demo, uh, it's I mean, you can still hear the influences from Unbroken um, in in the first demo, uh, and it's still like I, I I actually I put that vinyl on just last week, Life of Regret. It's the most important album in my life. Yep, I feel uh, you. Yeah, and I could talk about that album for <laughs> for hours. All the aspect from the recording to <clears throat> to um, how you know the whole booklet of them just writing down like the, like the personal like each member of their like page where they they like wrote their, their collage where yeah, they were yeah. At. Yep. yeah exactly and and how how that resonated with me and my anxiety, you know, growing up, like I had a, I had a couple of rough years at that time. And it, it was like, it was perfect for me. Musically, it was heavy. Like I, I was into all these like, 
um, heavier part of the hardcore scene and and and, and what they did on on Life Love Regret was like another level of I, I can't compare it to anything else. They no, did, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> you have the like, the, yeah. I mean, I, I love everything that Unbro- Unbroken put out, but Life of Regret and um, those two uh, seven inches after that, that 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 was clearly something special. Um, yeah. So did people? Did did people? I guess. Like, did you have correspondence with people being like, I don't know what this Cult of Luna song is. I know it's a cover, but like, you know. <laughs> was it- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of in- introduced, I'm broken to a lot of people. That's cool. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of that cover because like, I'm, it's, yeah, it's going to sound weird because we've done a bunch of covers, but I, I, like, I don't see any reason doing covers if you don't do it in your own way. You know, if it's just gonna sound exactly like the band you're covering, it doesn't make any sense where you should do it. But yeah, uh, I, I put a lot of effort in in doing, try to honoring that song, but doing it in our own way, and especially like the 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 last uh, third of it, it it would be quite hard because it's very fast. Totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and I remember like I put a lot of thought of like how we could do it in another way, and I think we kind of I, like I'm, I'm really proud of that cover. That's, that's yeah, the best great, cover no, we've done. Yeah, yeah, it's a great it's a great cover. Yeah, for sure. It's the, yeah. it, it accomplishes exactly what you're talking about. It introduces people who you know may have never been exposed to hardcore or punk or anything. All of a yeah, sudden, be yeah. like, oh yes, what's unbroken? I need to look into that. So yeah, and then yeah. like you said, you put your own twist on it. So. Um, the last thing I want to hit on was the fact that, you know, because like you said, you've, you, you know, you have a career and obviously you have a family and, you know, you've got two children, you know, viewing your life through the prism of, you know, DIY and punk and hardcore and stuff like that. Um, do you feel that obviously informs your role as like, you know, a dad to your kids as, you know, a partner with your wife? Like, you know, how, how does that stuff kind of reflect in your head as you are, you know, now doing these things that um you know many adults do but many adults don't you know cover unbroken in their band and stuff like that <laughs> um yeah i think i i covered a, a like my, the, the life lesson that i've learned through uh the scene is that um i'm not waiting for anybody to do anything for me like uh, I, 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 um, that's what I try to learn my children to be proactive, or to teach my children to be proactive and 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 and, and don't like take the initiative, and and um, also like in the, in the career, like in what what I'm doing, I'm working in the film industry. Um, yeah, you need to kick indoors. <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. I mean, you, you need to be proactive. You need to be be out there and 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 and. Um, but the most important thing also is to have some standards for yourself morally. To have to 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 um, have sta- high standards and expect a lot from other people, but but expect more from yourself. 
I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if that's from the DIY scene, but that's at least, that's why I try to teach my children and that's why the kind of code I try to, to, to live um, myself um, to, yeah, you know, try to, to, to be the best version of myself <laughs> in some weird, weird, weird way. Sure. No, um, I, I, yeah. no, I totally understand that. I mean, I think it's one of those things where, when you have been raised in the subculture that we have, like you just, you know, uniquely have a different point of view and the idea of, you know, being permissive with your kids, what, like whatever it is that they're into and how involved you are as a parent, like you just want to like help them find the thing that, you know, is whatever, you know, the outspoken record for them, you know, it's like, just, that's what you want. <laughs> no, 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 you know, you're actually hitting the nail on the head there. They're, they're not going to get into punk. They're not right. going to get into what I, what I like, but, but they're going to find something different. Totally. Uh, 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 yeah. And, and I'm going to be very, at least I'm going to hate it probably, right. <laughs> but I'm going to try to be supportive. Totally. Totally. No, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, and that's the, and that's the beautiful part of understanding what your role is as a parent. It's where it's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to understand it, but you know, I'm here because my parents did not understand me putting X's on my hand, but they still allowed it. And that's fine. <laughs> Look, my kids don't like my music, but they love me anyway. And that's, I'm going to return that favor when they're old enough. <laughs> that's so good. I love that. <laughs> well, dude, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with me. And uh, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Well, thank you so much. Like, I'm a big fan of the show. I'm really honored that you took the time to talk to me. Yes. Johannes, thank you so much for coming on the show. This got hooked up via uh, Nikki over at Metal Blade Records. I appreciate you, Nikki. Thank you for sending this over to me. And uh, yeah, Johannes, I just appreciate you having this nice, fluid conversation. It was very late night for him, but uh, he was able to uh, dial it in and you know not sound like a rambling madman, even though he totally was like, yeah, I sound like a rambling madman. And I'm like, no, 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 you didn't at all. So next week, we have Aaron Gillespie from the Almost and Under Oath and all those bands that you know and love, and or maybe you don't love, but uh, nonetheless, Aaron is a great, great conversation. I got him. He was uh, he was at an airport just waiting for a flight, and it was uh, it was great because he just was I don't know very open and vulnerable and all those great things that you should be when you're about to engage in a conversation, you know, about your life and be reflective, and it was great. So. Aaron is on the show next week. And I love, I like the fact that I can have someone from Cult of Luna and someone from Under Oath, you know, from a week to week basis. It's so cool. I love it. I love, love music. It's, it's beautiful. So hopefully your Thanksgiving was great and uh, travel safely and, uh, you know, give, give everyone a hug, right? Because that's what this, this whole thankful season is about, right? So until then, please be safe, everybody. As always, special shout out to Sonos. You need to go to their website, sonos.com and learn about all of their products because you know what? You will probably look at something on there and be like, you know what? This is perfect for my brother or this is perfect for my sister or my aunt or my uncle or my dad, whoever for the holiday season look like the coolest gift giver around by getting them the coolest gift that you can possibly wrap your head around and give them the gift of sound. Sonos.com to learn more. Thank you very much, Sonos. 
Hi, I'm Esther Dean. I've made my life by writing songs like Fireworks by Katy Perry, Super Bass by Nicki Minaj, What's My Name by Rihanna, just to name a few. And now I'm having an absolute blast sharing some of the knowledge that I've learned with upcoming songwriters on Songland on NBC. I'm excited to welcome you to a brand new season of Songland and Songland's podcast, giving you new insight into the magical art of songwriting as told by some of the best in the business and also the pioneers and the up-and-comers who will be shaping the hits you'll be listening to for years. We have an amazing roster of talent this season. I promise you, you don't want to miss one single episode. Don't miss Songland, Monday nights at 10, 9 central, and join us here on Songland's podcast, available every week after the show on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.